Welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours, bike packers, and endurance cyclists from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike travel. You'll get insight into various countries and cultures around the world, hear fantastic stories of their journeys. Through both mine and my guests' experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike travel and considering going on an adventure, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. I want to thank Panorama Cycles, Redshift Sports, Restrap, Race Day Fuel, and Brockman Cyclery for supporting Bike Pack Adventures and helping to keep me on the bike. Check out the show notes for more information about these amazing companies. Thanks and keep on pedaling. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Bike Pack Adventures podcast. Before jumping into today's episode, I just want to give you a bit of an update as to what's going on with the Canadian Shield Bike Packing Summit. We are now less than three weeks away. So, I mean, that's mind blowing to me. I can't believe it's only three weeks away. Um, there's still so many little things to do, but I think on for the most part, it's all kind of coming together. Um, I'm very excited to see what all the presenters are putting together. And uh, just, oh, was it last weekend? Two weekends ago, I went on the uh, bikepacking spring rally here in the Ottawa area hosted by Eric and Jen. And it was a really nice time. It was a great way to get to meet lots of new bike packers. And uh, yeah, so hopefully uh, we'll see a few of those people joining us at the summit. That'd be really cool. Uh, but before we get rolling, I just kind of want to introduce each of the sponsors. I know I've posted about them on social media and whatnot, but I think uh, just to give them all a little bit more clarity and I'll just kind of go through uh, the sponsors and what they are um, donating gifting su- supplying to uh to participants of the summit so we have panorama cycles out of granby quebec and they are so generously donating a panorama anti-costi bike frame also monton sports canada has given some rain jackets seat post bags and saddle bags and their rain jackets are real nice i tried one on when they came in just to see how it you know how they fit and stuff and what they're like and actually it's quite a bit better than the one i'm currently using i've been using for three years um although it's a very good rain jacket it's a little bit bulkier has that very plasticky feel and whatnot and this one is uh it packs down real small Um, i'm sure you could easily fit in your back pocket so that's really cool my velo fit is giving away a free bike fitting to every single participant at the summit which is really cool $50 $50 value, but it's a, what's, what's really neat about it is you can now kind of get yourself in that right zone and bike fit yourself all in the comfort of your home with a smartphone and a bike trainer. And it doesn't even have to be a smart bike trainer. So any bike trainer, you can borrow one from a friend, uh, beg, borrow, steal, as this saying goes. Uh, Redshift Sports is donating three different prize packs. So the Switch Aero System, which will be a set of the arrow bars and the dual position seat post one of my favorite pieces of kit that they make second thing is a choice of a shock stop suspension seat post or shock stop suspension stem and uh 
for those they'll they'll allow the person to decide what they want and then to reach out and get in touch and they will ship it to them because uh, mainly because suspension stems are very person dependent, right? You, or bike dependent. So depending on the size of your bike and what you're fitted with, you're going to want to get the appropriate length stem. And finally, they're going to donate a cruise control drop bar and grip tape set. So uh, if you're already drive, riding on drops, this will be your chance to uh, just make things a little more comfy. And I have it all installed on two different bikes and I absolutely love it. Race Day Fuel, they'll be uh, donating a couple big prize packs uh, full of their amazing nutrition products by companies such as Scratch and Untapped, and as well single-use products for every participant um, to use both days there when we're out on our group rides. Ride with GPS is providing three premium memberships as prizes to give away, which is really, really cool. Brockton Cyclery is also donating some swag from their shop. Uh, Megan Hackinen will actually be donating a few of her books as well as having some for sale. So if you don't win one, I highly recommend you buy one. South Away, great book. And um, yeah, that is it for the sponsors. Oh, with the exception, sorry, of Nomads Park. Nomads Park is a little business here in Chelsea, but they also organize a lot of evening rides. So if you are up here in the Ottawa area on Thursday before the event, I highly recommend you get out to Nomads Park. Get out for the ride. They have a gravel ride, a road ride, a mountain bike ride. They have a trail run group. And afterwards, it's DJ, tacos, beer, socializing. Super fun, super cool. Uh, I'm not sure if the tacos happen every week. But anyways, uh, they got a lot going on. They're going to be leading our rides both days. And um, as well, I think he said he's going to bring his wheel of prizes. So you get to spin the wheel and... uh, potentially win a prize like free bike rentals or whatever i'm not sure what all the prizes are so there's that and um yeah and i've also invited rakabisik from hull they are not for profit co-op they opened up in order to give people access to bicycle repairs at an affordable price they have volunteer mechanics there that charge $6 an hour, which is a contribution towards everything maintaining and running, as well as you have to, you do have to be a member, but it's, I don't remember what the annual fee is. And, you know, they will guide you through the process of fixing your bike so that you're learning at the same time, um, which also allows you to then teach people the things you've learned. So it's really, really awesome program they're doing. And I've invited them to uh, set up a booth and share about what their project is. Uh, if you haven't got your tickets yet, there are tickets still available. So that is a something you can still get online at canadianshieldbikepacking.ca slash summit. And you can, of course, also gift the ticket if you're unable to make it. So far, eight tickets have been gifted to members of the BIPOC and LGBTQ plus marginalized communities in an effort to grow their involvement in this wonderful sport that we all love. If you can't have, I'm sorry, if you can't attend the event but would like to purchase a Canadian Shield bikepacking jersey or shirt, uh, you can do so on the website, and they will no longer be part of the bulk order, so the cost is a little bit higher than they would have been before. But you can still get them. Cool. So I put a lot of effort and time into making those, and I hope you enjoy them. I've also had created some cycling caps. They're not on the website yet, but they will be very soon. And I'll add them on there. I think they're they're pretty slick looking, and uh, they match well with the the rest of the cycling uh, jerseys. So 
check it out. So what do I have left to do? I've got so many little things to do, but uh, not going to bore you to death with them. But anyways, that is that. On to today's episode. In today's episode of the Bike Pack Adventures podcast, I'm speaking with Colin Unsworth. It's pretty tough to follow up an episode such as the one I just released with Sofian Sahili, but somehow I think I've managed to do it. While Colin's bicycle adventure may not have involved extraordinary distances and cultures, it is quite original in the sense that he and his partner Sadie rode the joggle, John O'Groats to Land's End, on a tandem while completely naked. You may also be surprised to find out that in the UK, it is not actually illegal to be completely naked in public. Throughout this episode, we talk about the logistics behind successfully riding 1,000 miles in the buff, while also dealing with constant problems such as police and civilians. I hope you enjoy. Colin, welcome to the Bike Pack Adventures podcast. Hi, Chris. Hi. How are you doing today? Good, 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 good. Thank you. So, Colin, the uh, naked cyclist, but uh, tell us, uh, tell us about yourself, where you're from, and uh, all that fun yeah. information. Okay, I uh, so I'm Colin. Uh, I'm from uh, the UK. I'm up in up in the north in the UK, near Manchester. Um, I other than cycling, I do things like uh, wild food foraging. I teach people how to forage for wild mushrooms. That's awesome. And, um, and so everything I do is about nature connections and getting people reconnected back with nature. Um, so I live on a narrow boat on a canal, um, and. Uh, uh, work a little bit on the farm, and when I'm not working on the farm, I'm teaching people foraging stuff. Okay. Yeah. So I got to ask you with the canals, like you have to move every two weeks or something, or every no, month? No. Um, yeah, there's, 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 there's different ways of doing it. So some people are continuous cruisers, so they have to move and move and move, and you know, every two weeks. But I have a permanent mooring. Um, oh, okay. So I, yeah, I have a permanent mooring, and and I kind of have a bit of land, so I've got a garden and some raised beds, and um, and like a cabin up on the banking and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I've got I'm, I'm I'm kind of a bit more um a bit more stable than that. <laughs> okay. And did you grow up in a family that was like into the canal mm-hmm. boats or something, or this is something that just kind of came naturally for you? This, this is something that um, basically, well, my whole life kind of turned upside down during the pandemic. Okay. I know a lot of people's lives changed during the pandemic, but mine, um, uh, unfortunately, my um, 25-year marriage was um, one of the lockdown casualties, mm. and we ended up divorced, um, which prompted me to go through a bit of a life change. Um, so, yeah, um, doing up this boat... Um, and renovating it to live on was part of my pandemic project. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and do tell us. You said um, I know we this uh, for any listeners out there. This is our second time we started the recording. We had some uh, connection yeah. issues, but yeah. you did mention that you are a like a full time forager. Is that correct? Like this is a full time yeah. job for you. I, I teach uh, mushroom foraging and wild food foraging, um, and it's all about getting people back out into nature and mm. um, sort of reconnecting people with nature. And, um, you know, like everybody sort of, I think most people realize that there's a big, a big disconnect. Um, people have become disconnected with the natural environment that we've evolved to live, to, to be part of. Um, and you get back out into the woods and um, you learn all about the different mm-hmm. species and the role, the role that the species plays out there. 
there in nature, you know, different species of fungi, different trees, yeah. different plants. And, you know, I think um, not one single person will ever have a day like that and say they didn't enjoy it, you know. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, I make my own maple syrup, but that's about as close yes. as I get to everything. And, uh, and, and I, I do like my neighbors are really big into mushroom picking and, uh, well now it's starting fiddlehead season. So, ah, yes. um, yeah. so they gave yeah. us some last year and then they taught us how to, to prepare them. Cause you know, they can be poisonous or toxic otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. so that was kind of step into it and, and they do also yeah. the mushrooms. So I'm going to job shadow mm. them this year and try to learn a little bit more about that. Yeah. Cause, uh, yeah. it is quite interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's, um, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. And I teach all sorts. Um, I teach like groups of school kids. Oh. Um, I teach adults who come uh, individually and buy a ticket and pay for the course or I sort of do um, like corporate events, away days for companies and staff training, you know, where people can get out of the office and do something different for the day. Okay, cool. And I know you did tell me you're a naturalist, so I, I do presume that when yeah. you're with the school kids, you have clothes on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah. Being a naturist is always... Uh, naturist. Sorry, not naturalist. I guess same yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, well, yeah. I, I, I kind of... Um, I, I don't really... I don't really call myself a naturist that much. I, I kind of think of myself as just being body positive, okay. um, and 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 you know, sort of, it's it's, a, it's it's all about sort of getting rid of that body shame sort of stuff. And um, um, I think we, uh, as a, you know, in, in the Western world, we well, in fact, in the whole world, we we, we get so um, sort of mixed up with bodies being only associated with sex and sexual things and mm-hmm. inappropriate and stuff like that. And um, yeah, you. you you go to any sort of naturist resort, naturist beach, anything like that, and uh, after the first five minutes of shock, you kind of go, "Okay, that will now it's just people, it's just people." And when you yeah. talk to them, you make eye contact, you make eye contact, just like any other sort of part of life, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the law um, in England now, in, in in the UK now, um, is um, that um, nudity, the legality of nudity, is based upon your behaviour. Hmm. rather than what you are or aren't wearing. Um, so it's not illegal to be naked, uh, but it would be if you were harassing someone or if you were purposefully <laughs> trying to offend someone or okay. if you were you know, being sexual or anything like that, then yeah. it becomes illegal then, which kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I um, I remember in Canada, I think it was in the, the 90s, where they decriminalized women being topless. So um, yeah. that was yeah. uh, the big thing. And, you know... Yeah. But then, you know, off and on, you'd see a woman topless. But it's such a shock still in Canada because it's so uncommon. It's very uncommon, you know? Um, And I think that's just because whether it's law or not, legal or not, it's just like societal expectations. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, other than like the naked bikes or the naked mile runs and stuff, I think it's still like one of those things that are, it's kind of very fringe, you know? Yeah. Same here. Same, same, same in the UK. Um, it's very unusual. Uh, it's not illegal, but it is very unusual. So when people saw us on our bike ride, then um, there was lots of sort of cheers and laughter and sort of shouts and, you know, people were supportive. But yeah, it'd be uh, an unusual sight to see us riding back. <laughs> so we're going to get to that. But um, before we get yeah. into that, um, did you grow up as a cyclist or is this something that kind of came along later in life or what kind of cyclist were you? Did you ever get out touring or that kind of stuff? Yeah. 
Um, I um, I've always I've always had a bike underneath me one way or the other. Um, I, I yeah when I was a kid when it was just a, a convenient way of getting around. Um, when I grew up, um, utility cycling and commuter cycling. Um, just kind of made sense. It's always made sense to me. Um, you know, just going to the shops on my bike, going into the local town on my bike. Um, it, it's kind of easier sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. rather than facing the traffic and parking and all that sort of stuff, you know, yeah. just whiz down yeah. on your bike. Um, so I've kind of always been very cycle positive um, and I've worked in cycle training as part of, you know, as a part of my life. I, I used to teach cycle oh, okay. instructors. Um, I, yeah, I teach cycle instructors, teach kids in schools, and I also used to teach cycle awareness training to lorry drivers as part of their periodic training oh, uh, to try and make the roads a bit safer, you know. So, um, but as far as cycle tours go, um, it was always ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to go on a bike touring holiday, and it just never really happened, um, and I never really got round to it. And then when I got married, my wife wasn't into all that, and um, I kind of, yeah, I kind of ended up resigning myself to. Sort of thinking, okay, not for this life, maybe for the next life, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, everything changed during the pandemic. <laughs> okay, wild. And um, so, so cycling across the UK, you you did um, did you joggle or lo- a jog? Which one did you do in south to north? We did joggle. We did joggle. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So we went uh, north to south, which which isn't it, it's not really the best way to do it because we've got we've faced all the prevailing winds, and right? Exactly. What have you? Um, yeah. You know, people always joke and say, "Oh, it's downhill that way," but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Just because north to south, yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell us a bit about the the adventure, how the plan came to be. And I know that you also had some, I'm not sure if they're friends or other naturists that were just getting involved with the same fundraiser, but they kind of met you guys halfway and they started in the South. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, So uh, we did the North to South and the other couple did the South to North and we met halfway um, and had a bit of a rendezvous and then carried on with our journeys. Um, and the, the, the big challenge was to see if we could do it all naked in order to get maximum sort of, um, uh, coverage on the, um, on, you know, in, 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 in the media yeah. and get the charity, the charity fundraising up and all that and set a bit of a record. Um, because, you know, obviously there's going to be challenges for that with the weather, whether it was too, too cold at times mm-hmm. and too hot at other times. Uh, and also with, 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 with the police, because I say it's not illegal, but the policemen on the street don't always know that. So, we, there's, you know, there's a bit of a conversation to be had every now and again when a policeman sees you and, uh, and pulls you over and has a mm. chat with you and asks you to cover up and you politely explain that you don't have to and they radio through and realise that you're right and they don't know what to do with you. <laughs> um, and also the law in Scotland was a bit more, it was a, it was a bit bit more unclear, a bit more vague. Oh, in okay. Terms of- so Scotland was always going to be a challenge um, and we managed to conquer it through a bit of adversity that we had um, so we were cycling down through Scotland uh, me and my partner um, and some the the vast majority of people who saw us were cheering, laughing. You know, they'd be like, they'd be like raucous peals of laughter from inside cars as they drive off into the distance. You know, and people were stopping to take pictures, asking us what charities we're raising for. Um, obviously, we knew that now and again there might be somebody who sees us who might be a bit offended of at what we're doing. Um, and yeah, this one place in Scotland. Um, a couple in a car took offence to us and decided that what they would do would be to ram us off the bike with their car. 
Oh, shit. Okay. And they drove into us on purpose and knocked us off. Um, but the end result of that was that the police were involved. Uh, the police took it very, very seriously. Um, we were reported on in all the Scottish national newspapers. We're on the front, front pages of the Scottish national newspapers. And the response we got was as if the whole of Scotland kind of collectively said, we're sorry that this happened while you were here. Um, it must have got discussed in every police station up and down Scotland. Oh, wow. And, <laughs> And the, and the end result was that, because we were almost out of Scotland when that happened, but the end result was that when the other couple were going north, they didn't get challenged once by any police ah, officers. Nice. Everybody so knew, we, yeah. Yeah, so we, we kind of brought the trail for them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and so we, we, managed, we managed to do about 70% of Scotland uh, in the buff uh, without clothes, but the other guy managed to do 100% of the whole ride. Um, okay. In, because I, I, I did read that, that you guys opted at one point to put clothes on just because you kind of feared for your own safety and like. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, there was a couple of times. Um, so that, yeah. The, the, and, and that was in Scotland after that. I mean, um, what, what, the, the, some, some, some really nice things happened after that because we, uh, for example, somebody got in touch with us who we'd never met and said, I've read about what you're doing. I've seen what's happened. Uh, this is terrible. Uh, I'd like to offer to shadow you with my camper van for two days. So he came and fo followed us with his camper van. Oh, wow. That's just fantastic. Yeah. Us, which was really nice of him. Um, um, but yeah, there, there was, there was, a, there was another city uh, in, in England uh, further down and this city is very, very, very much a Muslim city and is we it? just didn't yeah, yeah, yeah very, okay yeah. just I guess just that's yeah, where kind of everybody yeah. moved right yeah yeah mm. just uh, with the, yeah because back back in the sort of uh, 40s 50s 60s the mills um, uh, were uh, recruiting people from India and Pakistan ah, uh, so okay. we ended up with Asian communities focused in, in particular areas and it was a very very warm summer's day and everybody was out on the streets and we just didn't feel that it was appropriate to be cycling naked through some of those communities just because mm. you know the religion the, the, the religious difference yeah. um, well, well I, I didn't want to be disrespectful you know what I mean so yeah. I think yeah. everybody appreciates that and can understand and yeah. it's uh you know yeah. it's uh yeah. what do you say yeah. um yeah, yeah it's just it's good to, to to have that common sense and not be so focused yeah. on your goal that you're like no we will not bend we will not break and yes. yeah. little yeah. children from Muslim, like conservative yeah. muslim countries yeah. be damned we're not gonna you know so yeah i could appreciate yeah. that you know yeah. yeah we wanted we wanted to put smiles on everybody's faces and nothing else you know so mm -hmm. <laughs> those would be difficult difficult conversation questions at the table for those families <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so let me ask, how did you guys prepare for this uh, adventure? And were you riding a tandem or was it uh, two yes. single bikes? It was a, yeah, it was a tandem. Um, so, uh, yeah, like I said, I'd always fancied doing a, mm -hmm. a, a, a decent cycle tour. Um, I even, as part of my job when I was a cycle instructor, um, I got qualified as a bike mechanic. Oh, good. Um, oh. And as part of that qualification, I built myself a pair of wheels. So I, I chose, you know, 36-spoke uh, touring wheels. I thought I'll build them and they will be put to one side and reserved for when I go on a bike tour. Mm -hmm. And it never happened. And I ended up with them in the attic and I kind of thought that's not going to happen. So, yeah, so they came down from the attic and um, and and, the, and and we bought ourselves a very cheap tandem off Facebook Marketplace. Ah. It cost us um, £160, which yeah, is score. nothing. That's, that's just, but it was, the thing is, it was, you know, I ended up basically doing this big bike tour um, on what is like the, 
probably the worst bike I've ever owned. <laughs> it was cheap. It was, um, it's an old steel one. And yeah. every time we sort of push on the pedals, all the energy is taken out in, in frame flex. Um, it was just, yeah, it was hard work to ride. Um, it was, oh yeah. Um, it, it was just hard work. Um, we've got, we've actually got a better tandem now. Um, oh, okay. and, and the difference is phenomenal. You know, I wish we'd have had that one, but anyway, um, so, yeah, me and my new partner, who is also a naturist and a wild food forager, we kind of said, what should we do coming out of the pandemic, you know, coming out of all the lockdowns and all that, you know, people were sort of talking about going abroad or maybe having a party or whatever. And we said, well, let's do something for nature connections and mental health and um, raise money. So we, we, we decided the charities were going to be rewilding Britain, which is about restoring ecosystems to the point at which they, look and, they can look after themselves. Oh, um, and um, and Mind Mental Health Charity. So then we're the two charities. Um, and we had a look on the websites, and on Rewilding Britain's website, it just said, think big, act wild. So I thought, right, well, okay, well, the biggest bike ride is is the the, the joggler, um, and the wildest way we could possibly <laughs> yeah. is to do it starkers. Before continuing on with the show, I'd like to thank Panorama Cycles for sponsoring this podcast. Panorama Cycles is a bicycle manufacturer in Quebec, Canada, dedicated to backcountry cyclists that prefer gravel, snow, and off-road trails. They believe cycling is a catalyst for adventures of all sizes, and that there's no need to travel across the world or to be a seasoned athlete to live epic outdoor adventures. Over the past year, I've been riding the Chick Shocks Fat Bike, the Catadan Gravel Bike, and the Taiga Mountain Bike. From everyday rides, bikepacking trips, and a multitude of races and events, these bikes have put a huge smile on my face every step of the way, while also getting me on the podium on the Wendigo Ultra Fat Bike Race and helped me set an FKT on the Canadian Shield 400. In partnering up with the Bikepack Adventures podcast, Panorama Cycles also wants to give back to the cycling community, particularly you, the listeners of the podcast. By using the promo code BPA10 when purchasing a new bike from PanoramaCycles.com, you'll save 10%. For more information on their environmental commitments or to check out their bikes, head to panoramacycles.com. Now back to the show. Oh, yeah, I hear you. You're fine. Are you still Yeah, there? yeah, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. there was yeah, a little. It froze. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, heard, I heard it slightly, but it really had no impact on the conversation. So good. <laughs> uh, so how did you prepare? Yeah. Like, did you guys get out for multi-day rides in your region uh yeah yeah we 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 decided that uh i wasn't going to push it too far in terms of our daily mileage Mm -hmm. um so um we decided that we were going to do 50 to 60 miles a day that's all okay um so um we were on a you know i mean that was based on the fact that the the bike was hard work because it was a cheap bike Mm -hmm. and and that we were fully unsupported we didn't have any support vehicles or anything like that and we were wild camping and carrying all our gear and even though we did the bike ride naked we still had to carry clothes and stuff. i was gonna say it's not like you need to carry clothes and stuff so yeah. right. <laughs> um there was a bit of preparation in terms of just uh communication with british naturism the organization just yeah. to make sure that the the legality of, of what we're doing was okay oh, okay yeah um we we set up some social media stuff um and the one of the challenges, um, and it's probably the first question, even before the legality and everything that people ask, uh, one of the challenges was to consider how to go about reducing chafing. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. I could, um, I can imagine it being uh, a very major challenge. Yes, 
Well, yeah, it would have been. Uh, and I hit upon a brilliant solution. Um, it was quite hard to research because obviously there isn't really any precedent for long distance naked cycling. Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, I did read an article about some people who had kayaked across the Atlantic, um, oh. and the way the way that they dealt with chafing and sort of salt wounds and what have you was by sitting on sheepskin. So they okay. sheepskin, and and they would sit bare bottomed on sheepskin. So even if they wore clothes to keep warm, they'd, they'd still be bare bottom on the sheepskin. Yeah, so fair enough. Yeah. So I managed to get a sheepskin tannery. Um, to make us some bespoke uh, merino sheepskin saddle covers. Ah, okay. Um, they were brilliant, and I mean absolutely brilliant. So when I say I've not done a big cycle tour before, I have cycled, you know, day rides of 60 miles, 70 miles, 80 mm -hmm. miles. So I've done some decent distances before now uh, in a day, and I have to say that bare-bottomed on merino sheepskin saddle covers is better than any Lycra cycle shorts that I've ever tried. Um, so, so much so that I kind of think, right, if I go on and do another cycle tour uh, where we're not naked, I might just wear a skirt and go bare-bottomed on that saddle because it was so comfortable. <laughs> oh, fair enough. But it's, it's it's certainly not like, you know, I might want to try that, but it's certainly not something I could ask my mate to borrow his because they'd be like, ah, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. been a lot of sweat going to there. <laughs> well, it was quite funny because the tannery that, that, that made us these covers, they made us a couple of prototypes. And then when we'd got them sort of fitted right, they made us the final ones. And then they said, how many do you want? Do you want like one for every day? And I said, well, no, I can't carry a saddle cover for every day of the ride because that's too much to carry. Um, so I said, really, we just need two covers, one for use and one for being washed yeah you know so you, yeah. so you keep you keep alternating them and then during the ride it suddenly occurred to me i thought we should have got one for every day and at the end of each day put them on ebay as used free wildest saddle covers oh man somebody <laughs> might somebody might pay a fortune for that you never know <laughs> yeah well I've, I've heard of some of the some things that get sold used in uh oh, no, like no. I, <laughs> in japan and stuff you I never know you could have been rich <laughs> <laughs> so no we just had we, <laughs> we just had the two and uh and, and alternated them during the ride <laughs> but it might be uh you know getting getting uh working with this tannery to to produce these and market them and mm. sell them might be uh yeah. might be a really good uh option as you go yeah. forward yeah, well, there is the, um, you know, the Naked Bike Ride events, which happens yeah. in lots of cities in the world. Um, so there's, you know, potentially quite a lot of naked cyclists, at least for one event a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. just stop that chafing for one day. It might be worth yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And were these, uh, were these saddle covers, were they expensive? Or, I mean, considering uh, that it's a one-time, like it's kind of a, a produced yeah. on the spot, I assume it wasn't cheap. Yeah. I don't know. Um, the 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 tannery that we contacted were keen to just support us, so they've just produced them oh, for free for us. That's really so nice. I don't, one, I don't, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know what they what 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 they cost them or anything. So okay. I've, I've no idea. Yeah, that's great. And how did you guys go in in, mm. in England, especially? Um, and um, yeah, I just spent that, that, that was my sort of safe haven. Um, I I actually got bullied quite a lot at school, uh, all the way through school, and um, going into the woods and playing out in the woods with 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 my friends was kind of my sanctuary um and then yeah i just i used to love um it, it was me and me and my friend uh when we were when we were teenagers we used to go walking through the woods and then we'd dare each other dare you to run naked da, 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 yeah. you know and you'd do some run here and there or whatever and um and i just kind of found that I'm, i really enjoy this i enjoy you feel the elements you, you can feel the wind on your skin you you, you feel free yeah. you feel I don't know. There's, um, yeah. And, and for my partner, Sadie, um, she, um, 
she kind of suffers with social anxieties and, and what have you. And she says that when she's naked, she feels like she's taken off all those layers of social anxieties of uh, sort of feeling that you've got to be a certain way or, okay. you know, she doesn't feel like she can be herself. And it's a bit bizarre because a lot of people would, would sort of imagine that, like, if you were suddenly you know, found yourself stood naked when nobody else is naked, that would be like the most anxiety sort of ridden scenario. But but it, it, it kind of calms her from all those uh, social anxieties. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. she just feels a bit more natural in herself. I wonder that, if yeah. there's something that relates to that, you know, when you do public speaking and they're saying, imagine everybody naked and it yeah. may, you yeah. know, so that you feel comfortable, but maybe like, that whole imagining yeah. that's so you're comfortable is the sense that if everybody's naked, we're all natural. Who knows? I'm not. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm not yeah. a psychologist yeah. or whatever, but I wonder no, if there's a relation no, to that. No, <laughs> but it's and it's also it, it's it's um you know it's it's different things for different people, isn't it? You know, not everybody's going to feel comfortable that way, and not everybody would they wouldn't appeal to everybody. Um, but yeah, definitely for us, we kind of feel a bit more natural and a bit more wild and free, you know. So you, you go walking through the woods on a forage or anything like that, and it just it just feels nice. And like you say, all the grounding sort of ideas and yeah, you know, yeah, it, it's, yeah it's, it's it's just it's just a, a nice thing, and it's <clears> even nicer if nobody's offended and people accept you that way you know we don't i don't need to be seen by anybody um but it's it's nice if you are seen if people just accept you just as you are you know so yeah Yeah, without yeah without causing a disturbance yeah 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 i know like go ahead we certainly don't want to go out and offend anybody, and mm-hmm. and and if um, if I found myself in a situation where people said no, I'm not comfortable, then I'd stick my clothes on because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not going to be I'm not going to be pig-headed about it, you know. I, I yeah, it's, you know, I'm, I don't want to upset anyone or anything like that. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. I know when yeah. I lived in Malaysia, I often wore a sarong at home, and man, yes. is it liberating and comfortable just yes. not to like. Yes. It's just Absolutely. you're wild and free with just a, a little bit yeah. of cloth around you, you know, super comfy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It is super comfy. Yeah. 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 I think um, when I was a when I was a kid, I used to um, uh, be very uncomfortable in clothes. Um, I think I used to drive my mum and dad mad because um, I'd, I'd, my seams would always be in the wrong places, and you know the clothes were never comfortable, and things used to make me itch and things like that. My mum used to say, "You're oversensitive, you are," and I think I think these days they'd call me hypersensitive rather than oversensitive. But yeah. <laughs> it was always a relief to get those clothes off. I think I think kids in general are always trying to get their clothes off. It's just something yeah. about it. Like yeah. uh, my daughter. Yeah. She's uh, just over a year old, but she's always getting one arm out of her shirt, like, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and like she she knows, like, yeah. just get out of it. Now. Yeah, yeah, it's more comfortable mm-hmm. that way. More comfortable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, about the tour, let's talk more biking stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you spent twenty four days. What uh, you know? You had some. It seems like you had some really great encounters along the way. You had a few uh, sketchy things. Yeah. Any other s- stories to share? Yeah, um, um, just I, I think the um, the thing that I got out of it was the kindness of strangers, mm. um, people just being you know good people, um, helping us out, um, even if it's just with smiles and waves and thumbs up and stuff like that. Um, but um, yeah, just just you know people putting us up for the night unexpectedly, um, just because they'd seen what we're doing and they and, and they wanted to support us. Um, we we only had one one puncher in the in the whole ride oh that's good um, and that puncher didn't happen until 800 miles in and it turned out to be a pinch puncher so it had lasted quite well hadn't it you know <laughs> um, um, we did have uh, a mechanical um, 
disaster um, just around about Edinburgh, so that's probably about a third of the way through the ride. Mm-hmm. And that was the the uh, the crank, uh, the bottom bracket. Um, it, it needed replacing and that in itself is okay except this cheap tandem that we bought um the threads it had been uh, cross-threaded on the bottom bracket oh no when we, so i knew that we were going to struggle to replace this bottom bracket and sure enough when i took it out there, there was probably only you know if, if i was to yeah there was there was only you know a little small bit of the threads still intact um, and I kind of was hoping and praying, but we uh, we put a new bottom bracket in. It did. We did manage to tighten it up, and basically, I knew that that bottom bracket had to last for the rest of the journey because there was no way that those threads were ever going to take another bottom bracket without right. having being rebrazed and all that sort of stuff. You know, so that was a bit of a a bit of a worry. Um, other than that, we were okay mechanically. I think I broke a couple of spokes uh, because the wheels weren't really tandem wheels. You know, the tandem wheels should be like the 48-spoke Yeah, that's wheel. right. Well, these were just 36-spoke touring wheels. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did go through a few spokes here and there, um, which was, you know, I carried a few spares. Um, uh, I can, yeah, I don't think there was anything else really mechanically that um, that, that, that challenged us. The route planning, um, we, we we kind of only had a rough plan of the of the route, I, I, uh, but I kind of fine tuned it every morning. So when I woke up each morning, I'd get on my phone and look at all the maps and 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 just feeling off like the wind, the terrain that I could see mm-hmm. in front of us. Um, and, and also the feeling we got from the area. So sometimes the routes that were offered by like Google Maps, for example, and some of the other uh, apps were, ta- were trying to take us on uh, canal uh, towpaths and, and, and little off-road cycle routes. And the problem with them, um, they're away from the traffic, which is nice, but some of them were a bit too rough for a tandem. Oh, but okay. the, main, the main problem with them was that people would, might be out walking with the families and stuff and we'd be passing within just a couple of feet of them and we're naked and I didn't want anybody to feel that we were kind of right in their sort of personal space right, like that. Right. So I kind of preferred to be on the on the roads with the cars because everybody's kind of enclosed in their safe metal box. Mm-hmm. So even though that's not the most pleasant environment for us cycling, I think um, it becomes more acceptable uh, yeah, for the public yeah. um, if, if they see us in that situation. But of course, we've then got the challenge of not choosing the roads that are too big and too busy. Yeah, We want yeah. to choose fairly quiet roads, you know. So we, yeah, we, we did end up sort of, you know, on some really, really big busy routes because the John O'Groats to Land's End route, uh, any of the routes that you choose, um, it's not going off into the wilds of Scotland. You, you're going through the, the, the busiest parts of the UK. Okay. You know, so we did have, um, yeah, so, you know, roads with lots of traffic and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I have to say that if you absolutely want to make sure that drivers notice you, it's pretty good doing it naked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The chances of being run over by accident yeah. <laughs> significantly go down <laughs> absolutely yeah we, we did have a, a a policeman stop us um and, and and he said okay so i know what you're doing isn't illegal but he says but um whilst you're in our area 
in, 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 in my area, I'm, I want to request that you cover up. And I said, well, we, I don't want to do that because we'll kind of ruin the whole bike ride because we're supposed to be doing this thousand miles, you know. And um, and he said, well, you know, I'm just thinking like from your own safety point of view, uh, because you might be distracting drivers. And I was uh-huh. like, I said, well, I, I might distract drivers, but I have to say that I've never cycled and felt like the drivers are noticing me. Um, as well as this, you know, yeah. in, in, in any of my cyclings, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, I mean, it, it, like you, you don't get uh, any close passes, you know, <laughs> you know? They, they could make, they could make money off you by just going like a hundred meters past you, stopping, yeah. getting out, watching for anybody taking video of you guys with pictures, yeah. Yeah. stop yeah. them, charge them for using their yeah. phones. They yeah. could have made a fortune. <laughs> yeah. Th- no, that was the only thing with, with, <laughs> with, with, with drivers on the road is we did get an awful lot of people um, where they drive past us, they turn around and then come back again to drive past us again, whilst recording us on the phone. And you just yeah. start thinking, well, you're not please use your handheld device while you're at the wheel of a car. You yeah, know, yeah, but, yeah. Well, uh, you know, on the other hand, uh, at least they were being positive and cheering and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, if any of the police officers from Britain uh, hear this, and next time yeah. these guys do this, just uh, stick around real close. You guys will make a fortune. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. was it like to, uh, to start the joggle? Because, I mean, John O'Groats is pretty far mm-hmm. north. Scotland has a yeah. lot of mountains. And I mean, by, yeah. by what I gathered about you and Sadie, right, is that you guys yeah. aren't yeah. the biggest cyclists in the world. So yeah. how, how yeah. was it to, to get used to the terrain and the days on the bikes and stuff when, you know, you're starting in the yeah. more mountainous region? Yeah, um, we had a, a, a few practice rides uh, prior to setting off. Um, the distance that we, our target every day was was to do minimum fifty miles a day. Okay. So, it, you know, the, there's 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 bigger rides to do than that. Um, okay. If if I was on solo bikes, we might choose. You know, we might up that target a little bit. But you know, g- given the tandem was so heavy and difficult, and we were fully mm-hmm. loaded and yeah. all that sort of stuff, that 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 felt enough. It it was definitely harder on this tandem than two separate bikes. Um, but yeah, a few practice rides here and there. Um, we got ourselves up to John O'Groats. Um, which itself is a logistics challenge with a tandem because you can't take a tandem bike on the train in this country. Um, uh, so we we actually managed uh, a few of our neighbours right at the last minute clubbed in and uh, decided to um, take us up with the tandem on the roof of the... Four of us, tandem on the roof, all our little car. Uh, um, so we all squeezed it, and they've got a pet husky dog. Oh, jeez. It's a big one. <laughs> so we're all squeezed into this tiny car. <laughs> yeah. All squeezed into this tiny car, all the way up to John Groats, which was about uh, a seven hour uh, drive. Um, we arrived there at about three o'clock in the morning. Um, we managed to put the tent up and get a couple of hours sleep, and then we set off in the morning. Um, yeah, the hills, the mountains, Scotland has got some big mountain ranges. You go, the first big challenge is the Cairngorms, the Cairngorm mountain range. Um, absolutely beautiful, stunning. Um, but it is, yeah, there's some, there's some, there's some hill climbing to do. Um, but the Scottish, the Scottish are good road builders. They're good road builders. So you kind of steadily climb. You steadily, steadily, steadily climb. Like a train line. Yeah, yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, um, the the three big challenges in the whole ride was the Cairngorms in Scotland, uh, the Pennines, which is the mountain range that runs. It's almost like they call it the backbone of Britain, okay. and it runs down the centre of Britain. And we had to cross from the east uh, to the west of that. 
so that was an, that was a challenge. Um, the Pennines had to be done in one day, so that was just our uh, you know our fifty miles was was for, for that day around uh, around Manchester. So that's my home sort of territory. Mm-hmm. And then the final challenge in terms of the hills is Devon and Cornwall, the, the last two counties. Um, Devon and Cornwall don't have any mountains, but it was by far the most difficult stretch because every single road is a hill. It's just very, very, very hilly. So the amount oh, okay. of ascent, the amount of ascent is, is 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 ridiculous, and every hill is steep. And um, I oh, it was a killer. It was an absolute killer. Was that so? The Cairngorm mountain range, the Pennine mountain range. You know, it was a challenge, but. Nothing really prepared me for Devon and Cornwall. Yeah, I have a. Few, uh, I know a few people that live in the south, and I always see their posts of uh, their training yeah. rides and stuff. And there's some, there's some decent climbs. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is up and down, up and down, up and down all the time. We did actually on the very last day um, in Cornwall. Um, some we, we 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 met up with the person who'd um, offered to take us back home in in her camper van. Um, so she put us up for the night. Um, the, the 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 night before the last day's ride and the last day's ride we only had 30 miles to do so it was a nice uh, easier ride for that final day and she was meeting us at the end so she took all our luggage um so we just had me and sadie and the tandem and virtually wow. nothing else the only problem with that was i thought i don't want to do a thousand miles riding with fully loaded unsupported and then arrive with yeah. no luggage you know, so so what we did was we kind of cheated on the last day, and we just filled the panniers with sleeping bags all puffed up. <laughs> I think that still doesn't count. Does it count? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so that we'd, we'd we'd at least have loads of luggage, you know. So, um, but yeah, um, um, the the Cairngorms had up in Scotland had um, some real. So, so the, I think the biggest climb was. Um, just this one particular 12 mile stretch coming south out of Inverness um, and it's just up, 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 up and it's just the biggest climb and it's just constant, constant, constant climb um, I was struggling at that point I was suffering, I, my, I don't know if it was blood sugars or whatever but uh, Sadie was an absolute legend and she just really, really pushed and pushed and pushed and kind of got us to the top um, you know I, that, that's, I suppose that's one of the things with a tandem is, is yeah. there's different times there's different times when you crash so there's other times when she was carried by me and mm-hmm. but on that on that particular occasion she she was definitely the, uh, the hero of the moment um, and managed to get us all the way up um but yeah um we from the start we kept saying that because when we we we're not we, you know I, we're not unfit but mm-hmm. we weren't you know we, we're not regularly doing some doing 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 big miles or anything like that so we kept saying that you know by the time we get to the end we'll either be fit as a butcher's dog or half dead and when we finally which got was to the it? end <laughs> well i think when we finally got to the end we probably were fit as butchers dogs, but we felt half dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah. It takes it takes uh, you know three days of solid ridings before the you just get yeah. used to the pain while your yeah. body accus- yeah. you know gets uh, accustomed to it. You know, so yes, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Same yeah. thing. I've yeah. done I've done some epic bike rides, um, like bike pack uh, adventures where you know eight hundred yeah. kilometers nonstop, or you know with some sleep and stuff, but a little bit, but. You know, that yeah. it gets to a point where your muscles are really sore, but you keep going. Yeah. And then after a while, you just kind of forget about the sore muscles, you know, like the, you yeah. feel it a little bit yeah. here and there when you're climbing a hill. But yeah. often, other than that, you just do what you got to do, you know. And, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I, I mean, um, Sadie, I think, was, you know, for, for me, the big challenge was doing it naked and get, keeping all the um, sort of social media engagements and all that sort of stuff. But for Sadie, she'd never done anything like that before yeah. at all. Um, and she was just sort of basically didn't really know if she'd be able to do it or not. And I just kept reassuring her. And that was exactly the thing was like, look, we just need to get that first, you know, three, four, five days yeah. done. And once we've got that three, four, five days done, you'll just keep going and going and going. You know, so, and um, yeah. who uh, who do you feel had the the most uh, attention because of the nudity? Was it more like people like her or yourself, or was it just? I I, I feel like probably the guy would get more shock factor, you know, in that sense because people don't yeah. expect it. Yeah, um, it is. A way, so one of the um, the other couple that that, that Neil and Hannah are not a couple couple; they're just a couple of people, so okay. just friends. Um, but but Neil very purposefully um, chose because he had, there was a few people who said they'd do it with him, but he very purposefully chose a female friend because a gender balanced couple seems to be far more acceptable to the ah, public. Ah, okay. I thought maybe he just didn't want to sit yeah. behind some guy's butt for. Two yeah. Weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think if it's a man on his own, then um, unfortunately people jump to conclusions. Of, yeah. You know. Something Registry behavior or something like that, and if it was a woman on her own, people unfortunately jump to conclusions of you know purposefully making making herself a victim, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there'd be a lot of vic- anything happens, it'd be definitely yeah. vin- victim blaming there. Yeah. I could imagine. Yeah, right? yeah. Whereas a gender balanced couple, I think um, for some reason it just becomes far more acceptable, and people sort of quickly see it as um, funny or positive. Um, the um, one of the reasons for choosing a tandem is because it also adds to the sort of comedy value of it, two people naked on a tandem yeah yeah so, um, and also if you're on separate bikes the, you, you will have times when um, you get split up um, you ride at different paces yeah you know you might be a mile apart well we can't be a mile apart when we're both naked riding through big cities <laughs> that's right yeah so the tandem, the tandem keeps us together then you know? yeah i never really thought of it that sense like you said if it's just a guy oh, you're gonna have you to can me. have you could have some serious issues, and if it's a girl alone, she could have issues. But together, it kind of it makes everybody else feel a whole lot more comfortable, even though they might not be comfortable. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Def- definitely. Um, and I think, I think very quickly, what goes in, what people what happens in people's minds is they see they see you and they think, oh, he's naked. Oh, but his wife's obviously comfortable with that, and she's naked. But oh, her husband's okay with that, and okay, everything's okay. And mm. I think that's the calculation that goes through people's minds within in a split second. Yeah, you know, um, which is yeah, which is a, a strange one, but it, it seemed to work. It seemed to work, and um, we 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 were reported on by all the newspapers, all the mainstream newspapers, plus lots of local newspapers and radio stations. Um, we even got an article in the New York Times, which oh, wow. was just. I know, yeah. That was just, when you see your name in New York Times, you think, "Oh my God, what have I done?" <laughs> um, <laughs> just you and Donald Trump, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but um, all the newspapers, even the ones that you that I worried about the most, you know, the most right wing sort yeah. of papers, uh, you know, um, they all reported on it positively. Nobody had a negative thing to say about it, which which amazed me. It did amaze me that. Yeah, yeah, it could be. It 
it could be a product of the times as well, you know, where I think yes. even news media yeah. is afraid yeah. to say something that people might disagree with, you know, like, so if they go yeah. and they, if they yeah. report on it negatively and people are like, well, wake up, can't you be more woke, blah, blah, blah. And then yeah. all of a sudden it's yeah. bad yeah. media for them. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so I, I mean, yeah. that's a great thing if it's a product of the times in that sense where people yeah. just don't say something mm-hmm. because yeah. of the awareness yeah. that maybe it's not going to be well perceived you know yeah 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 i, I think I, by the time we got about halfway through the ride i just got this feeling that um the uk may be wider than all that sort of stuff sorry i lost you there for a second oh, you were saying uh, by the time you got Hang on. yeah you were saying by the time you got you halfway through, yeah i hear you check check yeah. check can you hear me all right uh, it, it, hang on a minute. Hello, okay. I hear you. Oh, <clears throat> can you hear me? Can you? Yeah, I can just about. Oh, yep, yep, yep. It's come back now. I think it's coming back as we speak. Yeah. So you're saying halfway through the ride. That's where I lost you. Was you said about halfway through the ride? Yeah, halfway. About halfway through the ride. About halfway through the ride. I, oh, oh, the connection's being all funny. Yeah, I'm watching the clock, so I know where to edit. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. about halfway through the ride, um, I got a feeling that the UK, if not even wider than the UK, is ready for a conversation about body positivity and body shame and all that sort of stuff and not having too much titillation and silliness in that conversation. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm just going to make a quick note on where we were when that happened, just, uh, yep. just so yep. I can find it easily. Yep. Yeah, so um, how much did you guys end up fundraising in the end? Uh, it was ju- uh, almost six thousand pounds, just under six thousand pounds. Did you? And what was your what was kind of your expectation or goal going into this? Did you did you ever expect to fundraise that much? Or um, I just kind of thought that if we could raise a thousand pounds, that'd be fantastic. If we could raise a thousand pounds for each charity, that'd be even better. But yeah, it was um, it was good in the end. I mean, I, I have to say that uh, Neil, the other guy, he was riding the other mm-hmm. way um, with him being uh, a London banker and he moves in circles of rich people. I think they had a lot to do with it. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, hey. <laughs> you know, but um, but yeah, yeah, it was good. It, um, it was a good thing to do um, and it was, it, it's a nice feeling doing a bit of fundraising and, um, and, and and raising the profile. I think as well as raising the money, it's raising the profile because, mm-hmm. because so many people uh, yeah, I saw this in all the different comment sections online. Um, so many people said, oh, I'd never heard of rewilding before. This. Yeah, I mean, when I so, first looked at your yeah. website or when I searched you guys, that was the yeah. first time first time I heard yes. of rewilding. Yeah. Rewilding, yeah, yeah. So rewilding, restoring ecosystems to the point at which they look, look after themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the controversial part of that is, uh, is, is, is introduction of, or the reintroduction of apex predators. So wolves in Scotland and, and beavers and stuff like that, you know, so um, because they help to keep the ecosystem where it should be. You guys don't have beavers um, in the UK? No, uh, only recently. Um, oh, okay. So wow. Were, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they, they were uh, extinct in the UK, um, and they have started to be reintroduced. Okay. Um, and yeah, there's 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 yeah. So it, it, and and it's they're really important part of the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, they they are. <clears throat> excuse me. They they are workhorses, man. Those things. Yeah. They yeah. don't stop. I mean, they they do flood a lot of bike paths and cause yes, you know, yeah. havoc for yeah. people who are uh, who are into yeah. cycling sometimes. But yeah. uh, yeah. you know, yeah. they they definitely yeah. serve their yeah. purpose to nature. 
Yeah, I think where, with with the UK being an island, um, over the centuries, um, all the big uh, mammals have, have, have disappeared. Uh, they've been hunted to extinction and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So you know, the, 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 there's no bears, there's no wolves, um, nothing like that. So um, yeah, the the badger is our biggest mammal. Uh, sorry, biggest predator, not biggest mammal, big, biggest biggest predator. So we're without the beaver and the wolves. So okay. it's it's quite exciting though to to see these things. Get Get reintroduced and mm-hmm. um, and to think of our um, sort of wild places uh, becoming um, sort of uh, a bit more just getting them to the point where they would be if it wasn't for human intervention. Mm-hmm. So yeah. are they are they also in the process of reintroducing wolves to Scotland? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of talk about it. There's a lot of talk about it, and um, yeah, it's it's. I, I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen at some yeah. point. Yeah, um, I guess they just got to figure out how to do it in a way that they don't mm. just go and start attacking all the farmers' flocks of sheep and stuff, and the next thing you know, yeah. it's farmers yeah. start shooting them on the sly, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah. 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 And and the 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 farming industry is the biggest um, uh, opponents of rewilding, uh, but that's kind of inevitable. Um, sure. And I think um, you know big changes in the farming industry is you know going to be needed for the for the human race going forward. Yeah. For uh, we, sure. can't, we can't we can't just keep having these sort of monocultures uh, and, and what have you. So yeah. <laughs> what um, what what uh, do you have any other bike trips planned or anything like that uh what's next we're for actually, you guys yeah we're gonna do um another ride this summer we've got a, a new tandem which is much much yeah much you were saying what, what kind of tandem yeah. is it uh it's it's um oh do you know i can't it's a uh, i can't remember the make okay off the top of my head why well, can't i remember the make also but anyway it's it's uh aluminium steel forks yeah. um it's much stiffer um, it's a little bit lighter, but that's not that's not the biggest issue. The fact is, it's stiffer, yeah. um, and it's responsive when you press on the pedals. Um, it's, it's comfortable. Um, um, yeah, so we are planning on riding again another charity ride in the same sort of vein as last 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 year's. But we're going to ride to a body positive festival down mm. on the south coast. So it's nowhere near as big a ride as last year. It's only 350 miles. Um, so we're going to ride there and back, and that'll be our uh, little summer summer jolly. That's amazing. Um, yeah, and, that, and that, that, that'll be nice. And yeah. are you going to do it naked? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Again, just a, a, another charity thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's hard to uh, it's hard to go international yeah. in one if you're gonna <laughs> planning to go naked because uh, definitely not. I don't think there's too many countries where it's okay to be completely yes. in the buff. No, are there any others? Yeah. Do you know? Well, um, Europe is quite um, progressive, relaxed about things like that. I mean, if, if uh, Germany, um, um, I know topless Germany, is quite quite common. Um, yeah, Sweden yeah, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and Germany um, nudity isn't an issue at all. But unlike Britain, where sort of nudity was definitely illegal and then suddenly became okay, mm-hmm. uh, the, the law didn't change. It was just the interpretation of the law which was changed. Um, but in Germany, um, it's 
very much uh, well it, it's different depending on the situation you're in so if you're in a, a park where people might be enjoying the sun and bathe, sunbathing whatever you are on the beach absolutely fine okay. um, from, from what I understand even in sort of uh, clothes shops if you was to sort of just get changed in, in the aisle then that's fine oh, because yeah? the situation says like, you might do that yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, walking down the street wouldn't be acceptable um, and I'm not really sure how the law legislates for that because in the UK we don't sort of legislate to say oh it's okay in this scenario but not that scenario and, and, and stuff like that you know so yeah I, that's interesting yeah but um, yeah, it would be difficult to to because I do have on my sort of um, you know forward planning things that I'd like to do is to cycle across Europe, but I don't think that'll be a naked ride. I think that'll mm-hmm. just be a cycle tour. You might have uh, like just some some places where you could be naked riding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe do some cities or something like that. You know, just yeah. for, just for the hell of it, or, or some or some countryside places that are away from the the, the public. You know, so yeah, I feel yeah. like I feel like firstly I feel like probably Holland and Germany mm. and Austria. It's yes. probably fairly capable. Yeah. Like it. Yeah, you might need somebody like somebody yeah. in those countries that knows the law and can look into it for you and, and really get back yeah. to you on a fully lo- full yeah. legalities with a documentation or something. Yeah. But yes, yeah, 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 yeah. But going east from yeah. there, you might have issues. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I do, yeah, I do definitely want to go and visit um, by bike um, some of the European countries because yeah. um, there's some real cycle you know, progressive cycle friendly cities mm-hmm. in Europe, uh, far, far better than the UK, um, like Amsterdam and Copenhagen and what have you. And having worked yeah, in cycle sure. promotion and, and cycle training, um, for, for, you know, for over a decade, um, I just, yeah, I'd, I'd love to go and see some of those places in action and, and just see how they do it and how, you know, cause cycling really is a priority in, in, mm-hmm. in, in some of those places. Awesome. Um, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Colin, is there anything I missed that you'd like to talk about? I don't, yeah, um, I don't think so. Um, uh, I think, yeah. I think Where can I, people find you if they want to kind of learn more about rewilding? and? Yeah, um, so we have um, uh, a bit of social media stuff. So uh, the Free Wilders, um, if that's what we call ourselves when we're doing the, the, the naked charity fundraising. Uh, on a bike is the free free wilders. Um, we we have uh, we did have a, a, a Facebook page that we used as a blog during the ride, okay. but then Facebook Facebook got rid of it and closed it down because of adult nudity, um, uh-huh. which it was so, such a shame because it was very wholesome what we were doing. There was nothing, you know, but yeah, yeah Facebook Facebook's Facebook isn't it? So um, we have a Twitter free wilders and we have a Facebook free wilders two point <laughs> Um, and then for my wild wild food foraging and what have you, I'm I go by the name of Forest Horizons. Um, I, I call myself Forest Horizons as, as when I set up all my foraging stuff, um, without realising that I constantly get emails off um, Google and people like that saying hi, Forest. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Forest Horizons is all my um, sort of nature connection stuff. So for all those um, people in the Manchester and area, you can uh, you can reach out to Colin yeah. if you want to learn more about yeah. uh, about yeah. you know yeah. uh, nature yeah. and getting yeah. finding food and learning about that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, well, that's yeah. awesome. But yeah, yeah. Well, I'll definitely add links and um, thank you for your time. All right, Colin, I want to thank you for your time and. Uh, 
I really appreciate finally having had the chance to talk with you. I know we got delayed yes. a few times in it making it yes. happen. And uh, we did get delayed. Yeah, it yeah. was a, it was a great conversation. It was really interesting. So uh, thank you so yeah. much. And um, yeah, yeah let's. Meet you. Um, I don't want to borrow your sheepskin uh, <laughs> saddle cover, but uh, I'd like to see it. <laughs> Fantastic. Cool, man. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Superb. Cheers, Chris. Cheers. I want to end the show by thanking all my listeners once again for the emails and comments I regularly receive from you. It really helps motivate me and keep me going with this project and to continue sharing people's amazing stories. If you have questions or comments, you can email me at bike at bikepackadventures.ca or go to bikepackadventures.ca and shoot me a message through the contact form. You can also check out the webpage for past podcast episodes, bikepacking routes throughout Canada, blog posts, videos, and touring tips. Lastly, I'd like to once again thank all the individuals and companies that are supporting the podcast. If you are enjoying the show and like what I'm doing, you can become one of my show supporters by going to patreon.com slash bikepackadventures. And for just a few dollars a month, you can help keep this show going. You can also help out by sending a one-time donation through PayPal. This money all goes back into the podcast, help me to cover the costs associated with running the show, buy new equipment when necessary, and produce the high-quality content that you've become accustomed to. Much appreciated, and keep on pedaling. <laughs>